Hey, welcome to another episode of Talk of Mindset with Murph. I'm D Mac. I'm alongside our CEO, Brian Murphy. Murph, morning. D-Mac, good to be with you, man. <laughs> yeah, and you heard that laugh because we have a special guest today. We are joined by an NFL Hall of Famer, Mr. Derek Brooks. Mr. Brooks, how are you doing this morning? I am doing well, D Mac. I am glad to sit here and join you guys on obviously uh, this lovely podcast, but just to catch up and Let's talk about a lot of things. Oh, yeah. We, we got a lot to cover. And, uh, and first, I, uh, I'm going to give just everyone kind of your, your bio and, and your history here. And, and uh, it's incredibly impressive. So just bear with me as I go through all this. But, you know, Derek grew up in Pensacola, Florida. In his senior year in high school, he was the USA Today National High School Player of the Year. He then attended Florida State where he won a national championship in 1993 with the Seminoles, and uh, they retired his his number 10 jersey there. He was also uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, side note. We'll talk about that later. He then was a first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1995, and he played all 14 years in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucs. Never missed a game. Think about that for a moment. (laughs) Won the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year award in 2002, and then that same year they won a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously here in Tampa Bay. He was selected to 11 Pro Bowls, and the Bucks retired his jersey. Number 55 is now in the Ring of Honor. And then in 2014, he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which uh, think about that career all here in Florida, just in and of itself, is, is incredible. And, and the first thing I want to talk to you about is managing expectations. It's like High school player of the year, D-Mac, national D-Mac's high school. coming hot, right? Yeah, I, we, we, ain't messing, we ain't messing around. We think about this. High school player of the year, then you stay in state, go to Florida mm-hmm. State, so you have all those expectations. I mean, it probably would have been easy. You could have probably gone anywhere, I, I imagine. Mm-hmm. You stayed right here in state, friends and family, all the expectations that go with that. And not only did you have all those expectations, but you dominated at Florida State, right? Then first-round pick. Mm-hmm. In Florida, so I imagine like the pressure, the expectations of just being a first rounder, but all now you're still in Florida. And then you go there, play all, like never miss a game, play your whole career in Tampa Bay, win a Super Bowl, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Hall of Fame. So it's like if there's ever an example of someone managing expectations well, like mm-hmm. you are the poster child. And so I'm just curious, mindset, approach, like how did you handle all that? Well, thanks for asking that question and coming in hot because uh, a lot of people see uh, those successes and they think they're automatic and they're not. And to say that it was pressure, if I would have thought of it that way, I probably would have crumbled, to be honest with you. I never looked at any of those things that you've talked about as pressure for me. Uh, My decision to go to Florida State – had nothing to do with football and performance. It was simply what is the closest school to Pensacola in case something happens, my mom and dad can get to me. So that was strictly my college choice. I tell everybody, like, wait a minute, what? It wasn't Coach Bowles. I didn't even know Coach Bowles, Coach Andrews, nothing. It was, man, if something happens to me, how are my parents going to get to me? So, again, with that mindset, you think about it, there's no pressure to – to that question. Then performing in football, I always looked at college as another means. You know, I went to school wanting to be an insurance man. That's what I grew up wanting to be because in my neighborhood, and you guys old enough to remember, insurance men, they collected premiums door to door. 
So they used to walk around, man, with a lot of cash. <laughs> and he always wore a suit. Right. And he drove a BMW. So I was like, Had Mr. A briefcase. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, Mr. Herbert, man, you're the only guy my parents never complain about paying. Everybody else is a complaint. <laughs> you drive a nice car and you wear a suit all the time. That's a, he's like, that's a good job to have. He said, just go to college and you can have any job you want, even mine. So I was like, okay, cool. So football was always a means to going to school. My high school coaches called me in, and, and this is a funny story here. Now I'm an embarrassed. Coach David Wilson, everybody. David Wilson. <laughs> I took the SAT, pre, the pre-SAT as a sophomore in high school, and I scored a 1,200. So Georgia Tech – because I guess these scores back then go out to all these colleges. So Georgia Tech sends me a letter from their engineering school. So I come to school with this letter, and I give it. I say, Coach, Georgia Tech sent me this letter, man. This is He sees it, so this is nice. And he rips it up and throws it in the trash. So I'm like, what? So I'm kind of like, what are you? He's like, look, son, you just keep playing football, and there will be many more of those letters coming. And – your parents won't have to pay for you to go to school. I'm like, how does that work? I was get good grades and get scholarships. He said, yeah, you play tremendous on the football field, you'll get a better scholarship. Wow. I'm like, okay, so I can play football, go to school, be an insurance man. So, yeah. all right, I, I'll get it done. <laughs> so, again, with that mindset, you think about it, football was never the performance part of it was always secondary. It was about, hey, I'm going to school, I'm getting a degree, and – I'm going to compete on the field. Now, as I started getting more success in college, that's when NFL started to be a reality to me. I never – it's like, hey, I want to grow up and be an NFL player. The yeah. thought, yeah, when you have a success in football and growing up in the same town as Emmitt Smith, who uh, was a great mentor, you're talking about all the awards. He won all the awards before I did mm-hmm. coming out of Pensacola. So I saw a vision in Roy Jones as a boxer. So I saw – like, okay, these guys' success in sports, I was always seeing that. So it was never an intimidation factor for me. But when when it comes to if I would have looked at it as I have to go and live up to what Emmett doing, live up to what Roy's doing, then I think the pressure, it could have easily gotten to me. But I never even looked at it like that. So I tell people managing expectations, be comfortable in who you are. And don't tie – your performance so much to who you are. It's always this analogy, and I tell my son this, who's at Florida State now, your name is above that number for a certain reason because it's about you first. That number, that jersey, that belongs to the university. They can take that number away from you and do what they want to do with it, but they can't take your name. So your substance of what you are is always you, and that's how you manage your expectation is being comfortable in your skin, not tying your performance to defining who you are. And that has meant so much to my son, who's having a very different experience <laughs> at Florida State than I did. But I've learned so much from him, guys, to be honest with you, because he is only what, four guys that came in with him that have not transferred or oh, wow. flunked out of school. Wow. Wow. They've stayed the course and grind it through. And he's going to lead college way more successful than me. He's graduated, and he's going to have his master's when he leaves in five years. Wow. Well, six. It took me three years of going. I had to go back 
after I played for four more years to get my masters. He's going to accomplish all these these things in the next year. So I would tell people that all the time. Let's get to managing your expectations. Start with yourself. You know, be comfortable in your own skin and make your goals real. And, and it's hard to do in a team sport, but you have to. And, I, and again, I talked a little bit about that, you know, to the ReliQuest team uh, the other day. You got to have a little bit of grind in you to be part of this team. And accountability is, is so key to that. So you manage your expectations, have some accountability to yourself and manage those and be comfortable in who you are. I think that's the first principle of managing your expectations. That's dynamite. That's, uh, you, know, you talked about winning and what, what it takes right, to be mm-hmm. a part of a, a great team. And, and you won a national championship. In mm-hmm. college at Florida State, you also won a Super Bowl. So I think you have a really good idea of what it looks like to be mm-hmm. a part of a championship team and what makes a team great. So can you just share with us some of the things that you learned along the way? And then I'm sure you've been a part of some teams that probably weren't that good too, right, yes. early on. So uh, <laughs> if you, if, yeah, if you could just share both. Yeah, I'll like, start with like, my, yeah. uh, my quick acronym of team is, you know, together everybody achieves more. And I go a little deeper and I said how. In the same acronym, team. My first T is trust. Anything I've done in terms of football accomplishments has been in a team sport. You know, that's why I'm an average golfer. You know, I'm a great <laughs> football player. So, average golfer is good. <laughs> yeah, golf is an unforgiving game. <laughs> I, never, I never thought about quitting a day job to golf because I can't get 10 other guys on the field with me on that course. But understanding what it goes into that, you know, when you say together – you got to start with a level of trust. And that trust starts with you, whether you're in Brian's position, you know, the CEO of a company, or you're climbing the ladder in a team sport. And I started with, you know, our receptionist at the Buccaneers. She was a part of that team. And you got to build that trust and that togetherness. And I gave this acronym to our team. I said, you think about Miss Bernice. She's the first contact the outside world has with this organization. When someone calls the organization, they're talking to her first. So it's her attitude, her demeanor. It starts with her that's going to perform that outside perception. I would hate to think that she doesn't feel valued when coaches are calling here to get ahead of, get in touch with our head coach or our defensive coordinator because they got information to give us. If she's in a bad mood, they never get the message. The attitude changes. So I hate to say that that affected information that we need vital to us to help us win. Someone's calling to speak to our owners. The perception of our team starts with her, and she's a reflection of that. So she has to understand she's a part of this togetherness and that trust. That's why for 13 years I walked through the building and I spoke to her first. She was the first person. If I got there and she wasn't there, i leave her a little note, hello, Miss Bernice. And she knew it was me because I wanted her to see how important she was every single day that I stepped in that facility. You think about your marriage, it starts with trust. You got to have a togetherness. So you're on a team and they say together, my how is trust. And then everyone, together, everyone achieves more. Start with trust. And the next one is effort. And there's no excuse for not giving your best effort. Effort doesn't take talent doesn't have anything to do between you and you. And Brian, again, spoke about this to the ReliQuest team. There's no excuse to not giving your best because it can be quantified. There's no measurements to giving your best except getting off your butt and doing it. 
And if it gonna take everyone, everyone has to give their effort. Now, the product of that effort, yeah, that's some level of talent. Derek Brooks' best effort is gonna combine with talent is gonna be a little better than someone else's. But when you on a team, if I'm not giving my best to maximize my effort, the team's gonna suffer because my talent now is not matching my effort. But if everybody gives their best effort, the playing field equals out, and everybody wins when you do it. And you got to answer that question to one person. Look yourself in the mirror. You can't fool yourself. You can try to fool me, but you can't fool yourself in your hearts of hearts. So everyone gives your effort. Then next, together, everyone achieves. Got to have some accountability. For football, it was wins and losses. But it was so much built into the accountability that it was some lessons learned even when you lose. And on a team, you can't be afraid to be accountable. You can't skirt <laughs> the accountability chart. You got to embrace it. You want to be held accountable for something because, therefore, now you have a foundation to stand on. And when you're part of a team, you need that foundation. And successful teams, man, they want to build that foundation and they want to stack it. And now you start getting in football – that's when the legacy start to build. And that's why you think of Coach Bobby Bowden, 40-some years in coaching. What's that record? Top five, top ten? Number two, most winningest. God, for years. And people think, how did he – because it was accountability. We that was came through that. top five for 13 years? 13 out like, like 15 years, yeah. top five. And say, man, how do you sustain that? Because together everyone achieves – got to be accountable in that achievement. And the guys before us said it. Now, we got to hold that accountability to the guys coming behind us. And everybody is buying into it because no one's afraid to be accountable. And then the last is more, and that's motivation. Mm-hmm. And motivation is simple to me. It's like taking a bath or shower every day. You do it or you stink. Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah. You got to be a motivated person every single day. If you want more in life, be motivated to go get more. So that's my simple acronym. I say team, together everybody achieves more. How? Trust, effort, accountability, and motivation. And I think if you have those parameters, you give yourself a chance. Because even with all those things in the how, there's a little bit of part of individualism that you have to bring to the table. You want someone to trust you, you got to get off your butt and do something about it. You got to maximize your effort. You got to embrace that accountability, and you got to be motivated. So, yes, those are the individual parts that build into the team, and I think once everybody embraced that, you have a successful team. And I was able to sustain it at Florida State from the guys that were before me, and I was able to rebuild that culture here at the Bucks when Tony Dungy got here. So I see what that spectrum looks like, and I've seen it lost, you know, when I retired. Tough seven, eight years watching our Buccaneers because they lost that essence. And it took four head coaches to get to a head coach with Bruce Arians to bring that culture back in and obviously uh, signing the greatest quarterback of my era to come here and lead the team. So now I see some of those those same things of the essence of a team. I see that here. But more intimately, I see it through another sport, and that's our lightning whom I work for every single day, to see those guys embrace that, to go back-to-back champions. I never knew what back-to-back champions looked like because I was a, I was a wide right in 1994. Yeah. <laughs> in 2003, we got off 
we didn't embrace the challenge of defending. We was all about defending versus chasing. But I had a chance to see this in 2020 with our Tampa Bay Lightning team and see them repeat in 21. Those guys competing on that ice, they were not defending the 2020 championship. They were really saying, hey, we remember two years ago we were swept out of the playoffs. They were motivated by what happened the year before they won against Columbus. And they, but that's what I'm saying in the team sport, they was embracing that even with the new guys. So I saw what success looked like, and uh, that's my acronym of team. I love it. I love it. You know, I think about as you're talking about that team, and, and you, you talk about at Florida State the guys that came before you, but you're a force, and the guys that come after you, even now, you know, mm-hmm. you walk in that office building, everybody knows Derek Brooks, right? You can go back to Florida State. <laughs> And and they all you've got kids that didn't know you when you were playing looking at yes. you like what are you they, born? <laughs> yeah. And and so how do you manage then? Because it works both ways. Yes. How do you manage them when people are coming in? Right. How do you manage being that person that understands accountability, understands being motivated, understands effort? And how do you coach? Because you know part of a growing organization, mm-hmm. we're all coaches here. You know yes. we're. we're you know, D-Max, our director of mental performance, but he has a thing that he's going to make all of our leaders mindset coaches because that's what mm-hmm. it takes. What are some of the tricks that you use? Because you had to have people walk in the locker room like, my gosh, that's that's Derek Brooks. How, mm-hmm. how do you how do you lead them to their best? Well, first, you, you got to identify with them the value system and letting them know that they have value to bring. It's not about, hey – Derek Brooks played – just take my position, for example. Hey, you have to be like Derek when you played here. No, you don't. You got to be the best you and have those characteristics that came before you. How are you going to build that in? And showing the players that they have value to do it. Now, everyone's going to go back and say and look at it as if you're not having the same success rate, that means you're failing. Not necessarily. If you're bringing value to the team and reinforcing that foundation, that to me is what's critical, especially from the coaching aspect of it. Because if you come in and saying, yeah, I got to measure myself against this person, then you're never going to embrace who you are. But if you're saying, I got to measure my success against that level of success and how I strive to do it, that's the difference. You're not trying to be like that person. You're trying to accomplish the same goal as that person, and now your individual characteristics give you value in doing that. And that been so critical to me, particularly in Florida State football, because I've been so ingrained, not just because my son's on the team, but I've seen that change in the head coaching and that transition. And so many of our former players have been riding our guys. Man, they're not doing them so. They're killing us on social. I'm like, guys, stop. Yeah. First of all, Let's forget you're talking about someone's child. It could be yours. Secondly, these young men are student athletes. They're getting their degrees. They're successful. Screw what the football record is, but to me, it's bigger than that. They're walking out there with an education for life. Respect that. Thirdly, let's see what they're missing in terms of habits and value. Don't decrease their value to say they suck. No. Let's go and see, okay, how they're working. Can they work harder? Absolutely. I've seen time that they can work harder. Next, 
let's embrace the generation that they're in. They can't be coached the way that we were coached. If these coaches tried this today, they're going to be in jail. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's just that's right. Yep. And I tell former players this, guys, let's – these guys can't do the winter training the way we did. Why? Because a young man died from years ago. Let's not – so play – oh, man, you're right. I forgot about that. Exactly. So start thinking before you reacting. Things had to change. Now let's look at today's value, what these kids can bring. Yes, they can work harder. Now they can use technology in how they work harder. Now, we didn't have this technology to tell us body mass and sweat and all this <laughs> when we played. Of course not, but these guys can. So let's build into them and what they're offered now and match that, obviously, with a different work ethic. You're devaluing them by saying this. So when I start talking to former players about that, then they start to see the light in terms of what you're saying, how you build into these guys. I just start try to identify that the glass is always half full. In yeah. my attitude and seeing how these kids see how I love on them, be honest with you, man, that's some of the biggest things that they just want to say, hey, man, somebody out here is for me. Not everybody is against me. Hey, thanks for listening to part one of this three-part episode with Pro Football Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue the conversation and we learn more about what Derek's doing off the field. Make it a great today.